This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, y'all, and welcome into another Wednesday night edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm going to have to come up with a fancy name for these because, as you can see, it's it's after dark. It's kind of spooky. We're past Halloween, so it's not a Halloween episode, but we are going to get into it. This episode, these Wednesday episodes, typically I'll break down the injury report, any news and notes that have happened from throughout the week. And then, you know, maybe some other topics. Today, I want to get into Rashid Shaheed. I talked to Derek Carr today about, you know, what makes Rashid Shaheed kind of different in the sense of like his speed ain't normal, right? Like he, there's a lot, a lot of fast guys in the NFL, but there are differences in terms of, you know, when you look at a guy who can just run fast versus a guy who can play football fast. So we're going to hear from Derek Carr on that. Also got sound from Michael Thomas. Want to get into the trade deadline. We heard from Mickey Loomis yesterday. So I want to listen to what he had to say on why the Saints didn't make any moves, that sort of thing. And then we'll get into a mailbag in the final segment. So first things first, let's just go through it. Week nine, Saints, Bears, you're going to be looking at Tyson Bagent, not Bagent. It is Bagent. So I don't know if you're one of the people that likes to pronounce names correctly. There you go. You know, it's it's a game the Saints should win. You know, there's a lot of upheaval going on in the NFL right now. The Raiders fired their head coach, their general manager. You got Antonio Pierce and, and uh, Champ somebody i forgot his last name uh you, you're looking at all of these teams kind of deciding in real time that they ain't it now the saints clearly don't think that way they think that this team can go win the nfc south this season i don't know how deep you can consider that run to be but clearly not enough to go all in on the trade deadline either way week nine is a game that the saints should feel like they should win heck Week 9, Week 10, Vikings, you're looking at Josh Dobbs. That's the quarterback they went and traded for. So Week 10, you feel like you should win. You go to a bye, Week 12, the Falcons benched Desmond Ritter for Taylor Heineke, something that I am not particularly surprised by. I'm only surprised that it took this long. I thought that Taylor Heineke might win that job out of camp because, I don't know, he's just a better quarterback 
at this stage and probably in general, you know, Desmond Ritter, I think he's the type of guy who, if he had a couple years to sit behind a entrenched starter and learn and get better, maybe he has a chance. He's not a guy you start as a rookie and expect good things out of. Anyway, let's move on to the injury report for the Saints. We'll get back into the trade deadline talk down the line here. But first things first, you know, there's been a lot of talk year in, year out about the Saints and their injury luck and how everything seems to work against them and the medical staff, the training staff isn't getting the job done. Well, I mean, you look through the first week, eight weeks of the season and you're into week nine. This injury report, while it might seem long, when you really sink your teeth into it, it's not significant by any stretch. There's only two players who missed practice today. For the second consecutive week, only one of those was due to injury. And that's linebacker Ty Summers. He left the game against the Colts early with a concussion. He's also dealing with a hamstring issue. He did not practice. He is a depth linebacker special teamer on his best day. So when your only player missing practice is a special teams guy, you're doing pretty well for yourself. The other guy who didn't practice was Lynn Bowden. He is dealing with that virus, that illness. You know, Alvin Kamara has a colorful term for it. We don't need to get into that anymore, but he's not feeling great. He should not be at risk to miss the game. Um, you know, he, he's still a bit player. He's not a, he's not a major player. So even if you do say, okay, well, he's not able to get on the field for practice. He can't go out there and play, whatever. It's still Lim Bowden and not someone more significant. No offense to Lim Bowden, but his role is not massive in this, on this team. Everyone else practicing some capacity, Jimmy Graham, Ryan Ramchek, still on the rest schedule. I don't know exactly what Jimmy Graham is resting from. He didn't play on Sunday. So what is he resting from his practice? I It's a strange thing. Uh, they said he missed the game with the illness. I think he would have been inactive either way. But yeah, Jimmy Graham's still getting his rest days, uh, even though I wouldn't consider what he's doing to be com- very grueling on Sunday. So either way, those are the two rest days. So, from that, you have one, two, three, four, five more players. Michael Thomas was limited. He is also not dealing with an injury. It was a rest day slash. He still has kind of some lingering effects from that illness that he played through on Sunday. Miserable, as he described it. But, you know, they're just giving him some extra time to kind of recuperate. They dialed it back. He'll be fine. I expect him to be full in practice on Thursday and Friday. He's not going to be at risk to miss the game unless something crazy happens, but it's going to have nothing to do with the reason he was limited in practice on Wednesday. From there, you have James Hurst, Demario Davis. James returned to practice limited with the ankle, so that's a good sign. Demario Davis has was limited all last week with his knee issue. He played. He's limited again. You know, it's just one of those things that you're going to have to manage for Demario. I thought he was much more dynamic in week eight than he looked in week seven. You didn't see him come off the field the same way that he did in week seven. He played 100% of the snaps. So I think that's just something that you'll continue to work back from. We haven't seen any setbacks. So that's a good thing. Marcus May was a full participant. He's listed on here with the illness. He did not play in week eight. He was healthy enough to play, but he wasn't able to get on the field for practice. So the team felt more comfortable putting Jordan Howden in. And that's just a good sign. That's a sign that you have quality depth at safety and you're comfortable rolling with the young guy if you need him. Now you're still going to go back to May. May is still going to be the starting safety. But knowing that should 
one of your safeties go down, you have that kind of premium depth that you can bring in and feel comfortable about. That's a good thing. So no one's going to complain about that. The only other injury on here that is that is really worth talking about, Andres Pete also has an ankle injury. That was on last week's injury report as well. Taysom Hill, last week he was listed with a chest issue, played through it, didn't seem to be a problem. Now he's listed with a hip issue. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that it's going to be something that keeps him out, right? But I think you look at Taysom Hill continuing to crop up on injury reports. And when people ask, well, why don't you get Taysom Hill more involved? Why don't you get Taysom Hill more snaps? Why don't you get him more touches? Well, you see, like, the way he plays, it's not the same. You say one person gets 50 snaps versus you say Taysom Hill gets 50 snaps. And he got pretty close to 50. I think he ended up with 44. Pretty much every one of Taysom Hill's touches is a violent touch, right? It's not like Chris Olave get it catching a ball and running, making a beeline out of bounds, right? Every time Taysom Hill touches the ball, he is either hitting somebody or getting hit by somebody, right? Occasionally he'll throw it <laughs> or he'll run. You know, it's, it's not something where you can say, yeah, we can get him 60 snaps and he'll be fine. He takes hits. He plays a grueling style of football. So you have to be a little bit more careful with him in terms of how many hits you are allowing him to take because you know if you put the ball in his hands, he's going to get hit. And so you see, okay, the chest issue, the hip issue, he's had rib issues, right? So one of the things this team has to be cognizant of is making sure that he can get through his season healthy or at least as close to it as possible and overloading him in any matchup without thinking of, okay, well, how how is this going to affect him long-term is a mistake, right? So it's just something you have to factor in. I think they've done a good job kind of balancing that, particularly early in the season. Now, once you get toward the end into some must-win games, into some playoff games, throw caution to the wind, go all out, do whatever you got to do. But right now, I think you got to be smart about it. Now, on the Bears' side, a bit unusual because they had a walkthrough on Wednesday. And that's something you would typically see when a team is coming off of a, a Monday night game, for example, where they have a short week or they're playing on Thursday. And so that Monday practice, heck, all three practices for the Saints were walkthroughs before they played on Thursday night football. The Bears had a Sunday night game. So you're really just talking about a few hours lost. And they all had a walkthrough on Wednesday, which, you know, kind of strange. I think it's just a sign of it's a weird time in, in Chicago land, right? They did make a trade for a pass rusher, so clearly they're not completely packing it in, uh, even though they're two and six, but kind of strange. Either way, if they had practiced, they would have had five DMPs, which is guard Nate Davis with an ankle issue, quarterback Justin Fields with a right thumb issue. We already know he's not going to play. They announced that Tyson Bajant would be the starter, so you know he's really not something to watch for the Saints, at least. The Bears will be watching and saying, okay, hopefully he can get back week 10. Hopefully we can get back to our normal offense, but he's going to be out or at least not starting. He might be the emergency quarterback. I don't know what the Bears are thinking, but going on cornerback Terrell Smith with an illness, safety Jaquan Brisker with a concussion, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds with a knee issue. And now that's that's a significant one because he's a very good volume tackling linebacker. Um, going on down further, Offensive lineman Braxton Jones, he was limited with a neck issue, but he is coming back off IR. This is his first practice back from injured reserve, so he could potentially be activated for this game. That would be uh, a bonus for them. Then offensive lineman Lucas Patrick and safety Eddie Jackson. One's uh, 
Lucas is dealing with a back. Eddie Jackson is dealing with a foot issue. Both were full in practice. So, you know, again, there's really no excuses for the Saints right now. And it's what I said going into week eight, and they delivered in week eight. Now you got to keep delivering because this is the time of year where, you know, they talk about it's not about who you play. It's about when you play them. Well, the Saints are A, healthy, and B, getting a run of injury-riddled teams at the most important position on the field. Justin Fields isn't going to play with that dislocated thumb. Next week, you're not going to get Kirk Cousins. He's out for the season with a torn Achilles, right? You obviously just played Gardner Minshew instead of Anthony Richardson. So this is where the Saints have to take advantage. The funny thing is you look at week 12, both the Saints and the Falcons are 4-4. Four and four. They have two more games, then they have a bye, and then they face each other, <laughs> right? And so I'm actually feeling like, man, could you just kept Desmond Ritter for a few more games? Because I think that the Falcons are a much bigger threat with Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke, than Desmond Ritter, just because I just, I know that, you know, there's this run of quarterbacks. Every time we ask Dennis Allen about a quarterback, he'll say the word moxie. Everyone has moxie. And it just basically means like you're not that good, but you play hard and you get stuff done. Like no one ever described Tom Brady as having moxie. They just des- described him as being the best quarterback ever, right? Same with Drew Brees. No one said, oh, that guy's got moxie. They said, no, that guy's a baller. Um, <laughs> the Saints are going up against these, the Gardner Minshews of the world, the Taylor Heineke's of the world, the little guys who are punching up. And you just gotta, you just gotta go beat them, right? There's no excuses. You just gotta go out and win those games. Um, but again, I think the Saints are in good position to do that. They have injuries, but they are managing them. And I think you got to give some credit to the uh, to the athletic training staff. Um, before we move on, I do want to hear from Mickey Loomis because he was on WWL yesterday and he was asked, you know, why didn't the Saints make any moves at the deadline? All that, and this is this is what he had to say. A deadline passed uh, earlier. Uh, no moves by the Saints. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to determine what the question would be, but I guess were you guys called? Did you guys get calls? Well, we talked to a couple um, teams about a couple of things, more in the acquisition area as opposed to trading somebody. We weren't. We didn't really talk about trading anyone. Um, from our team, but we did talk to a couple teams about an acquisition, but um, I wouldn't say it ever got really serious. So you see kind of two schools of thought during this time, like Washington gets, they, they deal Montez Sweat, who you will face this week, assuming he plays also Chase Young. They get a second rounder in 24 and a third rounder. I mean, I guess teams that are somewhat position heavy and just looking for some draft capital. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it determined is determined by you know how how you see the the season playing out, um, and then you look at the you know your roster and and the team and the guys that are coming um, coming up as free agents and whether you know what your opportunity to resign them. There, there's a lot of factors that go into making a, a decision on on trading a player, and then on the other side of that, it's say hey, who can help us now. Um, you know, accomplish our short-term goals um, or, you know, in, in some cases, um, you want an opportunity to have a player in your system and, and make a decision on having them for the long term. There, there seems to be, and maybe this is arbitrary, but there seems to be more movement in other leagues around the trade deadline of the NFL. Is that just based on, because, you know, a trade deadline in the NBA, one, one guy and, and in the NHL, 
and can make significant impacts. Whereas in the NFL, it's, it seems a little more difficult. I'm just curious. Yeah, but I, you know, I never really looked at it from the standpoint of us versus another league. I do think this, you know, when you have a hard cap, that makes things a little more difficult um, to absorb a contract, you know, at this time of the year, because typically a lot of teams, including us, are, are, you know, up against the cap. And so you have to maneuver um, in order to add somebody. Um, you don't generally don't want to take away um, salary cap from a future year. So it, it's just a, a little more diffi- difficult logistically. Yeah. And I think that's not particularly a surprise in my opinion, right? Like you're talking about a team that, again, I think I said this in our, you know, NFL trade deadline mailbag a couple of days ago. Like when you're talking about trades at the deadline, there are a few reasons you would do it. In most instances, you look at a team like the Vikings. They went and got Josh Dobbs because they needed a quarterback. Their quarterback went down and they had to, you know, they kind of had to figure something out. The Cardinals felt like, hey, we can get something for Josh Dobbs, a player that we're not going to have a ton of use for um, beyond this week and because Kyler Murray's coming back. So, hey, okay, we can get a we can get a sixth rounder. We can upgrade a seventh rounder into a sixth rounder. Let's do it, right? So, you know, you, you look at that. Then you look at teams that are kind of on the wrong side of the of the standings pile. And the the commanders are in the NFC East, a, a league with two strong teams in it, right? Like they're not they they're kind of in a similar position to a team like the Saints, except the Saints only have to get to 9 wins and they probably win their division, right? At nine, with like the the commanders are basically saying wild card or bust. And when that's the scenario, it's a little tougher to commit to it, right? And you have two pass rushers who garnered interest. You know, the Giants also moved Leonard Floyd. A lot of a lot of pass rushers, a lot of defensive linemen going out of the NFC East this week. But, you know, you, you look at it's like, okay, so the Bears, they are last in the NFL in sacks, right? So they're like, hey, we can add a pass rusher. He's a good player. He's under contract. Fine, right? The, the interesting one was Chase Young. The Saints probably could have found a way to go get Chase Young. But... The 49ers, a team that feels like they are well within their title window. They're going for it right now. They have a roster that can win a title. And so they are bringing in a player who maybe has some concerns, has some health concerns, he has some work ethic concerns. But one thing that's always been able, in my opinion, from what I've seen, always been able to kind of bypass character concerns is being on a team that can win right now. Right? Like, when it's a long project, things get a little more complicated. You need more buy-in, right? Well, when it, the, for example, when Antonio Brown went to the Bucks and it was like, oh, we're winning a title this year, you got locked in Antonio Brown. When things were a little more difficult, you got, you know, quitting on the field, literally Antonio Brown, right? Like that wasn't a Super Bowl team. That was just a team that was fighting for the playoffs. And when you're in that scenario and you have to deal with some adversity, it's a little harder to get a job done. So for for the 49ers to go after Chase Young makes a lot of sense, right? They they're kind of doing what the Rams did, Sands going all in for the quarterback. They have Brock Purdy, they feel good about it, so they know they can spend some money. Chase Young's on a one-year contract, or he's on the final year of his contract, right? He's basically a rental. So the, the 49ers are willing to give up a third-round pick for a guy that, best-case scenario, plays good enough that you can that you will franchise him. And, you know, I guess if he plays well enough and you don't bring him back, they can get a comp pick. But that's, a, you know, that's, that's not a guarantee, right? If he goes out there and he gets hurt or he plays badly, 
and he doesn't get that deal, you know, maybe he goes and signs like like the the Mar- not Marcus Davenport with the Vikings, right? You know, that's you're not getting a, a major comp pick for that if you sign anybody. So, you know, I think the Saints did the right thing in not overpaying. Remember, they don't have that third round pick. So you say like, oh, well, why couldn't the Saints match the 49ers offer? They couldn't in terms of they do not have a 2024 third round pick to throw around. They could have traded that second round pick. Maybe say, you know, traded that second and got a third rounder back. But you know, I don't know, like yeah, that's a lot to give up for a guy that you don't know and is not exactly a guarantee in terms of showing up and and being fully invested. That's a that's a lot to to go in on. The guy that I kind of had a feeling they were going to try to go find a way to get was Hunter Renfro. Sounds like they did make some calls. Like Mickey said, they made some calls about acquisitions. They did not have any conversations in terms of trading anybody away, at least if you believe what Mickey said. And, and I do. I don't think that they were trying to trade anybody away. The only question I had was whether you field some calls about Jameis, but it does not sound like they did. I think the only team that it would have made sense to come and try to trade for him would have been the Vikings. There were some erroneous reports. Don't believe you know the the random Twitter news bots who well, say like, oh, they're close. And then, oh, Stunner! This didn't happen. It was, you know, they're full of shit, right? <laughs> I think there's somebody, somebody. Uh, I think it was Nick Underhill. They were like, "Hey, Nick, is this legit?" And he's like, "The guy's name is Crack Rock." No, it's not legit. So, like, every year we go through this. I don't think it was the disinformation was as bad as it could have been. Considering Twitter is just that's all it is now. But all all being said, I think that the Saints did the right thing and just kind of if you can't get it done with the players inside the building adding a player off the street isn't going to help, right? Like I'd like to see more snaps for Isaiah Foskey. I'd like to see them get a little more creative with the pass rush, maybe find some ways to, to create pressure as opposed to trusting your front four to create pressure, right? Come up with some, some blitz packages, get Zach Bond involved in the pass rush, get Demario Davis involved in the pass rush, get your NASCAR package on the field, find ways. You got to stop the run on first down. That's the important thing. And then you can get to the pass rush. So, I mean, the, the Saints' pass rush numbers are not good. There's no getting around that. That said, I think that they have the players to to get it done there. So I'm okay with them sitting, standing pat. Everyone complains every year, like, oh, it's boring. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Trades rarely move the needle for teams in the NFL. There's just too many variables. This is not the NBA. This is not Major League Baseball where one player can change an entire game. Um, you know, it. It, it changed the entire season for that matter. It just doesn't work like that in the NFL. So I thought it was a, it was a smart decision to stand pat. And that's where, that's where I'll wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Rashid Shahid. You know, just the impact he is having. You look at some of the numbers uh, from last week's game and from the season in general. Kind of get into the conversation about, you know, what is different? Why, why does his speed hit differently than a lot of other players, a lot of other fast guys? in the NFL. So we'll get to talking about that. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. If you haven't subscribed yet, you know, why don't you go do that? You're here. What else are you doing? Again, Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Steve Geller is currently hosting a show. So he is he is indisposed. But he'll be back in action with us later in the week. Either way, stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs>